Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, what the heck happened to the Florida State Seminoles when they got to Miami to play the Hurricanes? That's one of the worst performances that we've seen. Florida, on the other hand, looked really good against Ole Miss, and Kyle Trask looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the nation with his six touchdown passes. The Bulls have a tough one at Cincinnati against not only one of the best teams in the AAC, but maybe one of the better teams in college football. We've got all that, and the Bucks hosting the Los Angeles Chargers to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, Hey, folks, uh, you got to go try my friends out here, our new sponsor, Breitling Boutique. They're in International Plaza. Get this, they're one of only 15 in the United States. And let me tell you, these watches that they sell are absolutely gorgeous. You want to check them out, the Endurance Pro. I've gone on their website, Steve. This thing, um, I want to order one now. Uh, it looks fantastic. And my favorite, uh, if you want looking for a, a maybe an even dressier watch, how about the Chronomat? Um, stainless steel, just beautiful, green green facing. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. So go see my friends there. Uh, look, they've welcomed championship quarterbacks and Hall of Famers and boxers as clients, but they treat everyone the same way when you come in. Now tell them that Rick Stroud sent you, and get this, you will get a free $60 Breitling cap when you try on any Breitling watch. Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. I'll take two, please. <laughs> one of each, the Chronomat and the Endurance Pro. Uh, blue, Absolutely. I like the blue back and the blue band. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, it, yeah, in the Super Ocean uh, uh, Heritage, I mean, I, I, these watches, it, if you go in there and don't walk out with one, I'll be shocked. But make sure you tell them that uh, Steve and Rick sent you, and at, at minimum, you're going to get yourself a beautiful Breitling cap. Matt Baker, of course, our college football writer, is going to join us here in just a minute to talk about this week in college football. But first, it's the Bucks hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, a chance to go 3-1 and one on the season. First of all, I just got to say I'm impressed. You've said Los Angeles Chargers multiple times already because last year, every time we brought up the Chargers, you it. said San Diego. Couldn't do it. I, I, yeah, I, it's still, I, have to, I have to actually think about saying that. Um, but at least I didn't just automatically do the default San Diego since I haven't been there for about three years. Um, so hopefully the, the further we get away from that, stays, to me they're still always going to be the San Diego Chargers. Well, and this but is the first time the Bucks have played them since they've become the L.A. Chargers. That's correct. So that, yeah. you know, the now, last now time, you have to pay attention to it. That's right. The last time, in fact, um, the, the Bucks, I think it was uh, Dirk Cutter's first season, and they were going on a, a heck of a win streak at the time. They ended up winning five in a row, including a bunch on the road. We played, when I say we, uh, the Bucks played, but we went to uh, this game, one of the last games that the Chargers played um, in San Diego, one of the very last games. Okay. I think it was yep. late in the year. And um, not a great stadium at that point. Of course, that's where you know the Bucks won Super Bowl thirty-seven. Um, so it has some meaning for them. But, but yeah, now they're, of course, uh, you know, in Los Angeles and th- that beautiful stadium that they, you know, that they share with the Rams. 
Um, interesting matchup, and I think people may forget, but when I was uh, going through this, uh, the pursuit of Tom Brady, um, you know, among the many teams that he had or his representatives had discussions with were the Chargers, and they may have been the most viable other team uh, as it came down to it. And he had an interest, obviously, in going to his hometown, San Francisco 49ers, and they talked to John Lynch. They thought about it but decided to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, he also – uh, got some interest as as John Gruden is always interested in every quarterback. I think there was some dialogue there, but at the end of the day, I think the Chargers were probably the other team that that had uh, spent the most time in, in in maybe conversations with Brady. And you know, he's from San Mateo, which is not exactly down the street. I mean, it's it's up in Northern California, but certainly has his his West Coast ties. So in in some ways, it would have made sense. But they had Tyrod Taylor, and they really wanted to kind of stick with some continuity on offense where they, they ran more or less a spread offense and um, talk about having to change things as, as Brady has had to change when he came here, he would have had to really, uh, the Chargers would have had to change their whole offense uh, to fit Tom Brady, something more dramatic than what, what Tampa Bay's had to do. Um, but uh, Tyrod Taylor got hurt and they also knew they had a, a pretty high draft pick and they wound up taking uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon and he's had to play. Of course, you know, the, the story with Tyrod Teller getting a broken rib and getting a shot and uh, uh, actually collapsing a lung. One of the team doctor made a mistake. And, um, you know, Herbert Head was forced into action right away, like five minutes before the game. And actually he's played pretty well the last two weeks. They didn't win the game. But, um, you know, he's he's had some some nice things going. He, he He's mobile. Uh, he's a gamer. He's got a big arm. And so it'll be interesting to see him, you know, come here, of course, they got to come across the country and, and play against this Bucks defense, which, by the way, had not one but two awards given to them in the NFL. The Rookie of the Month, the NFL Rookie of the Month, was Antoine Winfield. Um, we talked about him almost every week. The three games that he's played and debuted as a rookie have been phenomenal. 26, 27 tackles, I think, a couple of sacks, a forced fumble. It's just factored in a lot of big plays. So he gets the NFL Rookie of the Month, which puts him on the radar for Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then Levante David, who has been great for many, many years, now 30 years old, uh, is the NFC Defensive Player of the Month um, you know, for the Bucks and in the NFC. And again, another fast start for him and for Todd Bowles' offense. So um, interesting matchup. You know, This will be the first game at Raymond James with some fans. It will be limited, of course, uh, probably somewhere under 10,000, but – Nonetheless, there'll be a little bit of atmosphere in there. And, and for those that have been season pass holders for a long time, some of them will get a chance to uh, be the first ones in the stadium, actually see Brady play. So that will be um, something different to look forward to. And, you know, I, I, the problem is, is that they're going to be without a couple receivers. I mean, it looks like, and we'll know more about this as we get closer to the kickoff, but it looks like uh, Chris Godwin is out for sure. And because they play Thursday night, Next week in Chicago, he's probably going to miss both games with a hamstring injury. And then you also have Scotty Miller, who kind of fought through uh, a, a bit of a groin injury, I think, uh, to play last week at Denver. He's he's potentially out. So if you're down two receivers, a lot's got to run through Mike Evans. They're going to have to get some contributions from Justin Watson. Um, you know, you might you might see Tyler Johnson, the rookie from Minnesota, in there a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, they could make more use of their tight ends like we saw against the Denver Broncos when, you know, you saw an awful lot of uh, Rob Gronkowski and some O.J. Howard. So um, they're going to have to find a new way to do it. Leonard Fournette also hasn't practiced. So 
Uh, more of the rushing load might go to uh, Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy. Keyshawn Vaughn will have a, a bigger, potentially a bigger role uh, in that running back room and not just on special teams. Interesting game, but a, but a really good chance here. You know, going to have to overcome those injuries, but a good chance here to go 3-1 and one, headed to a Thursday night game at Chicago where Nick Foles has taken over at quarterback. The Bears have not been that solid. I mean, Trubitsky obviously is out now. He was pretty shaky, but the defense hasn't been what, what they're used to in Chicago. Um, so it's sort of a sort of a team that I think that, you know, uh, may, might not be as good as their 3-0 and record. And, of course, a couple of years ago, um, you know, the Bucks uh, and Jameis Winston beat Foles when he was uh, coming off that Super Bowl win with the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, they're, they're familiar with him. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a pretty interesting game and uh, a chance to go 3-1, and one, maybe 4-1 and one, uh, by the end of the night on Thursday, which would be a heck of a way to enter a game 10 days later against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers that they'll welcome to Raymond James with more fans, maybe as many as 25% of that stadium full. Um, so, you know, this is a, it's a key stretch for them. These next two weeks are, are going to be very critical because they have a chance to really get themselves off to one of the better starts really in franchise history. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And, uh, Matt, uh, you, you might have drawn the short straw. Normally, Florida State-Miami is a uh, you know one of the premier games of the year, but not the Florida State team that showed up down in South Florida. How many light years away are the Seminoles from looking like what the Seminoles used to look like? Well, it, it, those days, the, the Jameis Winston days, are a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away at this point. <laughs> um you know, I've covered some bad Florida State games here the last couple of years. The, the Louisiana Monroe debacle last year, uh, 63-20 at Louisville. It was 59-20, the Oregon Rose Bowl. I, I don't think FSU was – I don't think I've seen FSU as bad as they were last weekend against Miami. I mean, some of it is – look, Miami is a good team. They might be a really good team. They might be a great team by the end of the year. I, I, I don't know yet. It's, it's too early. But the fact is, Florida State was just awful. Um, they could not block. They could not throw. They could not run. They could not tackle. They made too many mistakes. On and on it goes. And, and you can make, you know, you, you can argue that some of it was because Mike Norvell, the head coach, was, was out. He was, you know, quarantined because of a um, positive coronavirus test. But he was not 42 points different. And what, what was astounding is, I think it was 38 to 3 at, at halftime. And, and frankly, it, it could have been worse uh, is, is what it felt like. Uh, Florida State just could not stop Miami, and if Miami wanted to play a little bit quicker or put the you know put the pedal to the metal a little bit more, it, it could have been worse. Um, I have never seen FSU look that lifeless, e- even in the Louisville game. Um, again, that sixty three twenty score is ingrained in my skull. I will never forget it. But even then, Florida State did not look as bad and just completely out of it in the first half as they did this time against against Miami. So it's. I mean, the obvious question is, where do the Knolls go from here? Um, I mean, 
probably nowhere but up. But, you know, they've got Jacksonville State this weekend. And ordinarily, you'd think that's a, a blowout and a gimme. But I don't know that we can say that right now. You know, Jacksonville State's got a former four-star quarterback who signed with Clemson, Zarek Cooper. He was a, a redshirting on the team that won the title here in, um, here in Tampa and the 2016 team. Um, very talented, you know, one of the, the better players Jacksonville State's ever had. Jacksonville State's had some uh, good games and kind of upsets or, or, you know, flirted with upsetting Power 5 teams over the years, and they've had lots of time to prepare for this matchup, whereas FSU is coming off a, you know, a debacle of a performance um, against their arch rival where they were blown out more than they have ever blown been blown out in that series. So I, I, I hate to be all doom and gloom about FSU, but I, I don't know what raise the sunshine there are to talk about the Seminoles right now. How much of it, um, and and look, obviously they got major problems, right? And it didn't start um, this year, but how much of it was, you know, Mike Norvell was not there. He he had COVID obviously. And, and, you know, you take away your head coach on, on a game day, no matter how much you think your assistants can prepare for that, for that eventuality, it's always different. Right. So uh, are they, are they just, from a personal standpoint, god awful, or could it have been that everything was completely out of whack and they ran into what what might be one of the better football teams in the country, Matt? I I think it's it's all of that, but the simplest explanation is usually the best one. I just think they suck. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. You no, know, we knew going in, Mike Norvell was inheriting the worst Florida State roster of the rivals era in terms of talent. Um, since then a lot of blue chip players have left for one reason or the other. Um, Tamori and Terry, arguably the, the, uh, the Noel's best player on offense was banged up and, and very limited with a, I think it was a knee injury. Um, again, the offensive line still is not very good, which leads to struggles. The run game still hasn't figured itself out yet. Um, like you said, there's no Mike Norvell to call the plays. And that is certainly a loss defensively. Marvin Wilson, their best player, you know, gets ejected and on and on. And, I just think at a certain point it, it it snowballs and got out of hand and there was nothing FSU could do about it because they don't have the talent. They don't have the depth right now. Um, you know, the, the kind of the message word conversation right now is it's a lost season at Florida state. And I'm not going to argue with that. I think it is. It's a, another lost season. They're, they're not going to be, they're not going to be good. Uh, maybe they can, I think they'll scrounge up some, some wins here and there and, you know, maybe go to a bowl because who the heck knows what the bowls are going to look like and <laughs> who's going to want to play in them this year. Um, but the, the, the message word conversation is all about should FSU kind of forget about this year, start playing all the young guys. And I, I think there are risks to that, particularly at quarterback. If you move guys in too much too soon before they're ready. I, I just think, you know, the Georgia Tech game, because again, Georgia Tech isn't good. We've already seen that. We've already learned that. Coupled with the blowout against Miami, tells me this this team is further away from contention than I thought at the beginning of the year. And it's it's not going to be a quick build. It's not going to be like Miami last year, where they, they get a couple transfers, change offensive coordinators, and bada bing, bada boom, they're in the top 10. It's not going to be like that. There's way too many holes here at receiver. Um I'm still not sold on running back. Again, offensive line. I don't know that there's a great quarterback on the roster. Maybe one of the young guys. We, we just we just don't know yet. There's way too many holes here for this to be a quick fix. It's going to be a long-haul uh, build for, for Mike Norvell to get them back up to to the level of good, and then we'll see if he can get them to, to very good and elite after that. 
Well, it doesn't seem to be much of a of a long build, uh, and and they look good in the short term. Is the University of Florida and Kyle Trask with six touchdown passes against Ole Miss? Um, they also have a pretty good tight end, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> wow, uh, that guy could be playing on Sunday right now. So, how impressive were the Gators? And then look, the other side of the ball wasn't that great, right? Lane Train got some points on the board. Yeah, well, let, let's start with 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 the defense. Uh, Lane Train, that <laughs> they were they were doing very well uh, offensively against the Gators. Um, I am, if I'm a Gators fan, I'm not concerned. I'm not overly concerned about that right now. I mean, their pass defense was not good, but I think there's reasons for that. You, you, one safety wasn't able to play; he was unavailable. Another safety gets ejected. I think it was the first drive for targeting. Okay, well, yeah, you take away two starting caliber safeties, you're going to take a little hit. Um, sure. Add in the fact that you look at the schedule, Ole Miss is probably going to be the best offense that the Gators face until potentially the, the SEC title game. Um, you add in the fact that it's a new coaching staff at Ole Miss. So the Gators, I don't think we're quite sure what to expect. It's not like they could go back and look at last year's film and, and get a really great idea on how to game plan. Um, so you kind of put that stuff together. It's a, a perfect storm situation defensively for the Gators. But look, that offense is legit. Um, the run game was a lot better than it was last year. The offensive line was a lot better, uh, c- continued to progress. Kyle Trask, I, he throws such an interesting ball because it almost looks like it flutters there and it looks like it should get picked off all the time. But it is, I mean, it's extremely catchable and he's extremely accurate. And, and you put that stuff together with, with really good receivers who, you know, they lose four guys to the NFL and it doesn't look like they missed a beat. And, and that, you know, the big story I've got coming in Saturday's Tampa Bay Times is on Kyle Pitts and what a unicorn of a mismatch he is. I mean, mm. just look at the way he played. Um, the blocking doesn't get noticed a lot, but on a couple of the Gators' biggest runs, he was the guy kind of sealing off the end to open up the hole for Emory Jones to run through. Um, he would block and then slip out into the flat to catch a pass. Um, when they put a linebacker on him, he sped past him and stiff-armed him, stiff-armed him on a way for a 71-yard touchdown. When they put a nickel back on him, he completely schooled him for a back shoulder fake. When they put a cornerback on him, he would bust through the jam and catch the pass. When they put safeties on him in double coverage, he just jumped over him. I mean, that's all the stuff that he did. It's literally nobody on the field was able to defend him. And I don't know who South Carolina has that could do it either. You know, maybe once it, once it comes to Georgia, uh, potentially Alabama, LSU, they, they get the, the kind of freaks that can match up with Kyle Pitts. But at the moment, I don't know who's going to be able to stop him. No, he he is a uh, one of the best players in the nation already, and and a guy that's going to be, I think, a very high draft pick, and and will play, and probably could play on Sunday now with that size and speed. So Kyle Trask, when you can throw to somebody like that, he can make you look really good. But I think Trask might be a little underrated. I mean, I know he came in sort of the, you know, the backups backup, but um, hey, college football. You know, when you have that continuity, especially in a year with COVID and these guys not getting to practice much, that's a huge thing for Florida, I think, to have him at quarterback. Oh, absolutely it is. You know, he he's not the best runner, um, and I think he would agree with that, but he's mobile enough to get out of trouble and mobile enough mm-hmm. to, to have the threat of a run, um, which is exactly what Dan Mullen wants in his office. He, he wants a willing runner, not a great runner at quarterback. Um, again, he's extremely accurate. He's very, very sharp. He always seems to make the right decision. Uh, his arm is, is certainly good enough. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if he's a first-round guy. I'm still not quite on that level. But, I mean, 
he's a really, really good college quarterback. And at the end of the year, I think we what I think there's a chance we're talking about him in the Heisman discussion, just like potentially we are with Derek King as well. I mean, it's crazy that those two were, were one and two at Manville High in, in Texas, however many years ago, and now here they are, the best two players in the state, arguably, and two of the best in the country, uh, you know, however many miles apart. It's, But uh, yeah, Kyle Trask is nobody's backup anymore. He's legit. It's a great story. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks in the SEC, there there might be one at Mississippi State. What did you think of the debut of one Mike Leach um, coming down and slinging it around? I don't even think they tried to run the football. Uh, yeah, they, they did a couple times, um, and, and it, uh, what do you know, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. I, I did not expect it to to work out like that. You know, I, I think Mike Leach is a very smart guy. I, I'm not one of those, the air raid can't work in the SEC with all these good defenses. And I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that stuff. Ball's ball. And if you can coach and scheme it up, you're you're going to be fine, especially if you've got the dudes. Um, I, I'm curious to see how it works going forward. Um, what teams can figure it out, if any. Um, but look, Mike Leach doesn't have the most talented roster at, uh, in the SEC, but Mississippi State's one of the more talented teams he's ever been able to coach. And you add in KJ Costello, the you know, grad transfer quarterback from from uh, uh, Stanford, and yeah, they, they got a, they got a good team. Um, some of it is LSU is a, a mess is too strong, but they've had a really rough offseason with all the guys they lost to the draft and then losing their defensive coordinator, uh, Dave Aranda, to be the head coach at Baylor and then all the opt-outs and all that stuff. So it's been a, a, a bunch of things wrong in Baton Rouge. Wrong is not the right word, but a lot of things have, have happened in Baton Rouge that have kind of messed some things up. But look, give Mike Leach credit. Now we'll see if he can keep going uh, going forward or whether he'll uh, get kind of you know, teams will figure out how to defend it. And again, once he gets to a Bama or somebody like that, that has even more talent defensively than, than LSU. Any other things that stuck out uh, in the SEC, uh, you know, in their first week um, when, when they came out and, and started playing football again? Yeah. Uh, George's offense was not good. I mean, it, uh, I guess you give some of that credit to, to Arkansas, um, but they were really struggling the first half of that game. Um, I'm, so I'm really curious to see what they look like this week. Um, you know, JT Daniels, the uh, transfer quarterback, five-star guy out of USC, is, is going to be uh, – he, he's medically cleared, so it looks as if you know, I would presume he would be the starter and get a lot of playing time this week for the Dogs. So I, I'm curious to see how much of a difference he makes and, and how much of the kind of – Offensive struggles were, were just Georgia, and how much of it was the quarterback? So that, that's certainly something that jumps out. And um, A and M, Texas A and M, is the other one. You know, a very too, a too close for comfort win over Vanderbilt. Again, this is week one, and it's been a, a weird off season. So I don't really know what to make of anybody yet. Maybe Vanderbilt is is a lot better. The other side of the coin is this is year three for for Jimbo Fisher, the seventy five million dollar man, mm. and so far he's. Uh, what was he getting a million dollars a win, something like that, for uh, <laughs> when you prorate his salary? Um, this should be the year that things could kind of start to click. Uh, they've had a, a, some uh, key opt outs there in College Station, and so I, I, if it's going to click, it, it, I think it needs to happen soon for Jimbo. Otherwise, the fan base is going to get impatient with, with everything that they're paying him. And uh, lo and behold, uh, who, who does he have Saturday? Uh, Nick Saban in, in Alabama, which Ouch. leads to the one crazy stat 
every time uh, I, I'm contractually obligated to Tampa Bay Times, every time Nick Saban plays one of his uh, coaches against one of his former assistants, I have to bring up the stat. Uh, Saban currently 19 and 0 at Alabama against his former assistants. It includes 3 and 0 against Jim McElwain, 3 and 0 against Will Muschamp, and 3 and 0 against uh, Jimbo. And you know, eventually that streak's going to end. I, I just don't think it's going to be this weekend. That's just it's just incredible. I mean, the mastery that he's had there at Alabama, and um, obviously a cradle of coaches in the SEC. But no one can get no one can get their uh, their mentor. Um, the USF Bulls are back in action. Uh, last time I think we saw them, not so good. Um, they're playing, I think, Matt, uh, maybe the best team uh, in the AAC in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati for that matter might be one of the better teams in the country. We don't know just yet how, how good they could be. Yeah, I think Cincinnati is really good. Um, I, I wasn't as high on them going into the season as I probably should have been. But as I kind of went back and looked at things, you know, uh, good, good quarterback, obviously Luke Fickle is a very good coach. Defensively, they're very strong. And I think that's something that it hasn't shown up yet, but I think that's something that's going to translate over year over year. Um where defensive continuity is, is going to be a big thing. You, you look at the way they kind of shut down Army. Um, Army, not the sexiest team in the world, but uh, they had done quite well early on. And to hold Army to three points after the early uh, early score, I think Cincinnati is quite good. Um, I, I'm you know One guy to watch is Jerome Ford, uh, running back for Cincinnati. Not necessarily the starter, but a guy who plays a lot. He was a four-star uh, running back out of Armwood and signed with Alabama. Um, he's had some flashes so far already with Cincinnati. So we'll kind of see what he's able to do against USF. And like you said, uh, Cincinnati is a, probably the best team in the AAC or in that mix with UCF and, and Memphis, uh, in particular, we'll see how they look and whether, depending on how things break this year, whether they're going to have a chance at uh, getting in the playoff. Matt, are there any games across the country, uh, not played in the Southeast region of the United States that you would be keeping an eye on? Well, this is a Southeast, but this is a, a different one that we haven't talked about yet. Um, Charlotte versus Florida Atlantic. Um, poor wow. Willie Taggart and the Owls. They've had a bunch of games. It feels like 50 games right now. They've had called off for one reason or another because of the coronavirus. So I, I'm curious to see what he finally looks like now that his team will have a chance to play. Knock on wood as we record right now. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's one that, that catches my eye. NC State Pitt is another one on, on noon. Pitt yep. might be really good. I, I've been slow to accept the Panthers just because I've seen them before where you think they might be good and they end up being that 8-5 and five, bleh. But Pitt's <laughs> defense is, is really strong. Kenny Pickett, I think, has made some steps at, at quarterback, so maybe maybe this is the year they can kind of break into things. Um, Oklahoma-Iowa State is the, uh, the night game at, at 7.30 on ABC. That's one I'm curious about just because – do you know the last time Oklahoma lost back-to-back games? No. 1999, Bob Stoops' first season. They lost Goodness. to, to wow. I think it was at Notre Dame and Texas in back-to-back games. And, wow. Uh, you know, So it's been a long time since they've done that longest streak in the country. Iowa State, of course, you know, has a lot of talent. They haven't put it together yet, and they've typically kind of struggled early in the season. So I'm curious to see what the Cyclones look like there and – what the heck happened with OU and how they can respond? And obviously, the the uh, this is Southeast, but uh, Auburn Georgia is the big uh, the big game also on seven thirty. Um, just you know, again, like we talked about with JT Daniels, I want to see what Georgia does offensively, and 
Auburn might be really good. You know, they beat a, a good Kentucky team in the opener, and Bo Nix uh, seeming to make seeming to get better there. And defensively, they've been stronger than I expected after all the dudes they lost last year. So we'll we'll see on, on that one too. But that's another uh, one I'm keeping my eye on for sure, and hoping to be back. Time to watch the second half uh, after I cover the game in Gainesville. Should be a good one. Um, he's Matt Baker. You can uh, certainly follow him on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times covering college football for us. And hopefully you'll be treated to a better game than the Florida State-Miami debacle, which also included, I think, a couple rain delays, didn't it? It started as if it was going to be a rain delay to the point where nobody knew what time kickoff was because there was a, <laughs> the, 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 the Jumbotron said, hey, there's inclement weather. It's okay to take cover. <laughs> but nobody said when the game would start and then they just kind of started warming up and they went out and played like Manny okay. had no idea what was going on with Miami. It was, it was, it was a weird situation. And then once the game kicked off, the great thing about it though, you know what it's like covering uh, night games on, on, on sure. deadline. It's sure. not the most fun. Um, no. Also, I think there were some other sporting events happening involving Tampa teams uh, Saturday is why well. I don't uh-huh. recall, but um, the most important thing from my perspective is, I knew what I was writing, and as soon as halftime hit, all right, this one's over. I can uh, start writing a good story. So That's right. You we take, always you take that for, every now and then. Yeah, every now and then you're okay with a blowout. It doesn't matter which way it goes. If you're on deadline, it's nice to know at halftime what, what your story is. So anyway, follow Matt uh, all through the year, and we appreciate you joining us each week as you do. Matt, thanks so much. Sure. Thanks, Rick. Always great to catch up with Matt. Of course, a big NFL weekend. The Bucks hosting the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And Justin Herbert comes into Raymond James Stadium with a few fans this time. A chance to see Tom Brady in person for those lucky few that will be able to do that. And so if you the saw Bucks, the – yeah, the, don't forget this. the uh, what the Steelers-Titans game was postponed. It was postponed because of COVID. Yeah, the first one. And that's, I'm afraid, probably not the last one. I think we're going to start seeing that as maybe some players get a little loose – um, no one really knows how how that all went down, but um, it certainly was a, a a warning shot, and it happened I think much sooner than the NFL thought it would. But they're going to move some games around and um, try to play that later in the year. It may require moving a, a couple games, as a matter of fact. Uh, we'll see how they work all that out. But as of yet, um, you know everything's been okay at least here with the Bucks and and the opponents that they're facing. But yeah, it's going to be some interruptions for sure. And the Tampa Bay Rays begin their series i can't wait to see this one get started on monday against the new york yankees in san diego uh the alds uh, of course the rays dominated this series during the regular season but it wound up at the end with some beanball wars rolled as chapman some fines some suspensions and of course kevin cash saying you know look i got a stable of guys down there that throw 98 <laughs> so um this is going to be this is going to be interesting Hey, folks, make sure you go see our uh, new sponsor there at Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. There's only 15 of these in the United States. We're so lucky to have one. Go check out their watches. It's beautiful Endurance Pro. Um, it, it's just a, a luxurious sports watch, if you will. I love the Chronomat. I think that's one of the nicest watches I've ever seen, the Super Ocean Heritage. I mean, so many great watches there at Breitling Boutique. That's where you see all the you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks and guys like that. You want to dress like them? Well, go get yourself a Breitling watch. And make sure that when you come in, you tell them that uh, Rick Stroud and Steve Versnick sent you. And get this, you will get a free, just for trying on a watch, a $60 Breitling cap. 
And believe me, you'll probably walk out with that watch if you try it on. So it's win-win for everybody. Uh, but make sure you tell them that Rick and Steve sent you to Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.